0: You are listening to the sunnybrook community church podcast to learn more about sunnybrook church including our sunday gathering times and opportunities throughout the week visit us online at sunnybrookchurch.org today's talk comes from laurie vancura wow thanks for that anthony uh, that was great what what a great way to start our morning uh, what a great way for us to start our series that will be together in the next five weeks but I want to start this morning with asking you a question. Did you know that core value number one here at Sunnybrook is that anointed, anointed teaching is a catalyst for transformation in individuals' lives and in the church? And wouldn't you agree that we are so very blessed to have such an epic leader in this area as Pastor Jeff? He sets a great example for those of us who have the opportunity to share this Platform by bringing teaching each and every week that is both biblical and relevant. But what you may not know is that Pastor Jeff is painstaking in his planning of what the teaching will be that is brought here each and every week. He goes away every year for two weeks of sermon prep where he prayerfully plans out an entire year of teaching. It's an unbelievably complex process, one in which he will seek to bring the kind of topics that he knows that you are facing from day to day in your lives, but to balance that with helping you to understand the truth of Scripture, helping you understand how you can know God, how you can grow in your relationship with him, and how his life and/or his story and your story intersect it's really an amazing amazing process that we learn and you know when he does this he brings different kinds of series sometimes you'll notice the series are topical sometimes they're more uh, based on a life of a person's story that we read about in scripture and today we start one such of those series as you've already heard we are going to be following the life in the next five weeks of david David, this shepherd boy who would become king and the only person in all of Scripture that God himself would describe as a man after God's own heart. Now, David's life has so much for us to glean from. In the 60 or so years of narrative that we find in Scripture, we see, man, this guy has been through everything. I mean, I don't think there's a thing that any of us could go through that somehow David hasn't experienced in some way. We see him go through miraculous victories and successes. But then on the other side of the coin, he experiences absolute agony of defeat. We see a man with a deep and abiding faith and courage. And yet there are times in David's life where he has seasons of fear and doubt. We see David has this impeccable integrity and honor throughout his life, But then there are times where he finds himself morally in the gutter. So you are in for the ride of your life as we walk through these next five weeks, David's life. And I want to encourage you to bring someone with you next week for this epic journey, to join you for that. And today I want to invite you, if you have your Bibles, to open those. If you don't, you can open your Bible app to 1 Samuel 16. And it's where we first meet David as a young shepherd boy. We're going to read some of that narrative together today. But before we do that, I want to tell you a little story about the very first time that I had the opportunity to go to Israel in 2015. Now, as you may know, we take uh, groups of study, kind of a study group or study tour to Israel from time to time. And 2015 was my very first opportunity to be part of that group. And I have to say, it was an amazing experience. But we stepped off of our airplane and on to the dirt plane of the Valley of Elah, that very place where David, the shepherd boy, had his epic battle with Goliath, the Philistine giant. And it was absolutely surreal to be stepping foot on that ground. Now, whether you're a church person or not a church person, chances are you've heard about this epic battle between David and Goliath. And to be there in that place was unbelievable. I could literally almost envision on this hill on this side the armies of Israel encamped as far as you could see. And then across the way, there was another hill, and I could just almost envision the armies of the Philistines encamped as far as you can see, and then there was this huge chasm of valley in between, and I could almost see Goliath, that giant champion, shouting out and challenging and taunting the armies of Israel. And then our group was able to make our way over to a dried-up wadi where we collected stones. To be able to commemorate the miraculous way that God would deliver the armies of Israel from the Philistines in the hands of this teenage boy. It was absolutely unbelievable and it changed my life forever. And it did so because to stand on that ground just connected me in a way to a truth that I think we all need to understand. Because this story has been passed down through generations, right? And sometimes we think of it as a fairy tale or that David's a biblical character. And I don't even like that term because it kind of leads us to believe that it wasn't real. But David was a real person. And this is a real story. It took place and to be able to stand on that ground was just amazing. And you know, not only do we have years of David's inconceivable life recorded in scripture, in ancient texts, so, we also get this unique insight because David wrote about his deepest thoughts and feelings and insights in the Psalms. In fact, we know that David wrote at least 73 of the 150 Psalms that we find in Scripture. There are beautiful expressions of praise that we find in his Psalms, but there's also like tortured expressions of agony and brokenness of soul that are also included. But many of these psalms actually align with the actual events and stories of David's life. So we get insight into what he was thinking during that time. And that is the David that we're going to explore together today. We're going to start today with the understanding what set David apart from the very beginning. And it's also what intersects David's life with ours. And it's this. We place our hope in what we depend on. We place our hope in who we depend on. And David placed his hope in God. I mean, think about it. Who or what do you depend on? We live in the United States of America, one of the most secure nations in this entire world. And don't we daily depend upon the U.S. military, on our local and state law enforcement for the most part to keep us from the threats that would come in and maybe destroy our cities or come and take away our homes and rip our children from us and take them into slavery or destroying and taking everything that we've worked so hard for. And think about what we just talked about with working so hard. Don't you depend on your job to give you the kind of resources that you need to provide for your family each and every week? And how many of you have insurance? I think most of us do, don't we? And don't we depend on insurance to help protect us in case something bad happens, whether that's health or sudden death um, or a natural disaster. We depend on FEMA to come in and save the day when that happens. We place our hope in what we depend on. We place our hope on who we depend on. And David set such a great example because he places hope first and foremost in God. Now, we encounter David first when he's about 12 or 13 years old, and he is born into the nation of Israel in Bethlehem, to be precise, is where David is born. His father's name is Jesse. He has a whole bunch of brothers, and he is the youngest. And he is born at a time when all the nations in the world depended on their kings and their armies to keep them from the threats really, that we just talked about, of being cities taken over, individuals being taken into slavery, all of that. So they they greatly depended upon their kings and armies. But David was a part of the nation of Israel, and Israel was called to be different. God had set apart the nation of Israel, and he said, I will be your God. I will be your king. You don't need any other kings. I want everyone to know that there is a God in Israel, and he is also the one true God, of everything. I'm the creator of all things. So that is part of God's plan in setting apart the nation of Israel. They were to be known to be led by God, but you know what? Israel wasn't having it. They followed for a while, but eventually as God would send prophets to speak through him, uh, to tell them kind of what his desires were, they would eventually reject the prophets. They would reject God and they would say, we want a king. We want to be like all the nations around us. And so when we first encounter David, King Saul is that very first king because God finally relented and said, fine, I'll give you a king. I don't think you're going to like what happens. Now, prior to this appointment, Samuel the prophet had been God's prophet. And so he continued. He continued to bring God's messages even when King Saul was king. But we see in scripture that King Saul displeased God because he didn't follow God. He didn't depend on God. And so God rejected him as king. And so we first meet David whenever God sends Samuel, the prophet, on a secret mission to Bethlehem, to Jesse, and he says, I want you to go and anoint the next king of Israel. Now again, this is a secret because if anybody knew that that was happening, he would have been killed. Lots of bad stuff would have happened. But Samuel makes his way. He goes to Jesse. He said, I need to see all of your sons because God had not yet told him who would he anoint. But he eventually anoints David. And David is the youngest son. He was the most unlikely to be chosen by Samuel, by God himself. And he wasn't even invited to the original gathering. They had to tell him, do you have any other sons? Because God did not choose the others. But it's the, here where we get our first insight into why God might have chosen David. We see in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7. And the Lord said to Samuel, as these sons stood before him, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. And now at this point, this is Jesse's oldest son standing before him. And Jesse, or Samuel's thinking, this guy is, he's nice looking, he's tall. I imagine that he's the one. But the Lord says, I don't look at the things that people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So God didn't choose the most obvious of Jesse's strapping sons. God chose to anoint David as a young teenager because of his heart. And even as a young teenager, David had a heart for God. He had a heart that depended upon God. Now, approximately 18 months to two years passes. Everything goes back to normal after this anointing because remember, they don't really know why David was getting anointed. So he goes back out and he's out in the fields and his father calls to him later. So at this time, he's about 15 years old. He says, hey, I want you to take this food and go to your three brothers who are encamped with the armies of Israel and fighting, and I want you to check on them and see how they're doing. And it's here that we gain further truth that would characterize David's life. Because, because David put his hope in God, he had clarity that no one else had, and we're going to see that as we look in the story. He had confidence beyond himself, And David also had a humility of spirit that was absolutely unmatchable. So David, with all the curiosity of a teenager, rolls into the Israelite camp. Can't you just imagine? He's excited. He's going to see some more stuff happening. But he arrives just in time to see and to hear the giant Goliath out in that field taunting and challenging the armies of Israel. And David cannot believe what he's hearing. Now, Goliath was a foreboding presence, but David just couldn't believe this speech that he was taunting the Israelites with. Now, the scripture tells us this is the same speech that Goliath has been saying for 40 days. This has been going on for 40 days, and here's what Goliath said. He says, why do you line out and come up for battle? Am I not a Philistine, and are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down down to me. If he's able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. Then the Philistines said, This day I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. And on hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. King Saul and his armies are absolutely terrified by these threats by the giant. And then the best thing that Saul can do in this situation, we see in verse 25, when it's, there's an ask. Now the Israelites have been saying, do you see how this man keeps coming out? He comes out to defy Israel and the king will give great wealth to the man who kills him. He'll also give him his daughter in marriage and will exempt his family from taxes in Israel. Now that's a big deal. But listen, nobody is taking up King Saul on his offer. Nobody. That is, until David shows up. And instead of being dismayed and terrified like King Saul and the armies are, David is actually offended. He hears that Saul is looking for a champion to fight Goliath, so he starts to ask questions. And even the questions that David asks as a teenager really give us some insight into the kind of clarity that he had. It just shows incredible clarity. He asks, the text tells us, What will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? And these seasoned men of war, they look at David and they think, this kid is crazy. He wants to get himself killed. And his brothers hear him and they are so angry. They're like, David, you are so wicked and so conceited. Go home. But the reality is David saw something that they didn't see. They see a giant. David sees this disgrace that's come upon Israel because of this giant. He sees the fear that has gripped King Saul and their armies, and it absolutely grieves his heart. And why? Because these are the armies of the living God. And David sees that truth clearly when to everyone else that truth had been lost. And then David says this. He says, Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? I mean, he states it clearly right there so that they can get that perspective. And David ends up in a conversation with Saul. He goes to Saul and he says, hey, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Saul replied, you're not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You're only a young man and he's been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, I struck it, and I rescued the sheep from its mouth. And then when it turned on me, I seized its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them. And why? Because he has defied the armies of the living God, the Lord. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this philistine. See, there's absolutely no confusion for David. He just sees the situation in a way that no one else saw. He had extraordinary clarity and the clarity was simply this, that an enemy of God's people is an enemy of God and that Goliath was not simply defying this army, he was defying God. And so David had an assumption that would lead him to do the unthinkable, the impossible, the miraculous. And this was David's assumption. That the man or woman whose hope is in the Lord need not fear even when there is something to be afraid of. There was something to be afraid of with that lion. There was something to be afraid of with that bear. And certainly there was something to be afraid of with Goliath, this champion. But David did not fear because he placed his hope in God. It was that simple. And this was the kind of faith this teenage boy could wrap his entire life around. See, when everyone else saw a giant, David saw a defier of God. When everyone else was trembling in fear, David was filled with faith. When everyone else's confidence had waned, David's confidence was in the faithfulness and in the sovereignty of God. And so we see David reject the armor that Saul tried to give him and he runs into the battle with the only thing he ever knew as weapons, as a shepherd boy, a sling and a stone. And we see him approach the Philistine and say, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin. And all those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. And as the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. And reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sunk into his forehead and he fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and killed him. And David ran and stood over him. He took hold of the Philistine's sword and drew it from the sheep. And after he killed him, he cut off his head with the sword. See, David showed where his courage came from. He stated clearly where his courage came from. The Lord would deliver him. And why? So that the whole world would know that there is a God in Israel. David saw that with such great clarity, with confidence, and yet with great humility. He wasn't bragging on himself. And everything that he said, it was all the Lord. The Lord will deliver. And every single word that David said came true that day. Unbelievable. Well, it would be a long 15 years before David would finally become the king of Israel in place of Saul. And that is an amazing story in and of itself. So be sure to come back next week for that. But remember earlier when we talked about not only having the narrative of David's life, but having insight into his thoughts and feelings as well. Well, later on when David would become king, he would pen a psalm that really helps us to see and it aligns with this story to know the insight of what he was thinking and feeling. It's Psalm 25, and I'm just going to go over part of that with you. Psalm 1 through 5, or verses 1 through 5, and he writes these words. He says, In you, Lord my God. I put my trust. I trust in you. Do not let me be put to shame, nor let my enemies triumph over me. No one who hopes in you will ever be put to shame, but shame will come on those who are treacherous without cause. Show me your ways, Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me, for you are God my Savior, and my hope is in you all day long. Now, these were not just nice words that David said, These were words that David lived by. These were words where David risked his life. He believed with all of his heart when he went up against Goliath that the shame would come upon this one who was treacherous without cause. And he trusted that God would not allow him to be put to shame. And he declares again and again that his hope is in God all day long. All day long. And this was the posture that God desired for the entire nation of Israel to have, and they would just not stay there. They wanted a king, but in their second king, they found a man who understood the perspective that God wanted them to have the entire time. And it's also in this king, David, that you and I discovered a man who maintained a perspective that God wants us to have as well. This wasn't just a nice underdog story. Of David and Goliath. This is a story about trust and dependence. Imagine waking up tomorrow and making that declaration that David made. And I've shortened it with just verse one and five. In you, Lord my God, I put my trust. My hope is in you all day long. Imagine driving to work and you're having to face something that you are not looking forward to. You know it's gonna be a rough day. And so you whisper under your breath the same thing that David must have whispered a thousand times in his life. In you, Lord my God, I put my trust. My hope is in you all day long. And in those moments where it looks like the world is against you and Goliath is just going to throw you down, you're going to be defeated by him instead of you defeating that giant in your life. You can cry out to God and say, in you, Lord God, I put my trust. My hope is in you all day long. When you're uncertain and you can't control the circumstances around you, you can trust in the one that does control those circumstances. You can trust in the one that is sovereign. And you can say, in you, Lord my God, I put my trust. My hope is in you all day long. These are powerful words to live by. They're the words that David live by and the words that God desires for you and I to live by as well would you put your hope and your trust in him today let's pray Lord we thank you for the example of your servant David we thank you Lord that he was a man after your own heart we thank you for his confidence we thank you for his clarity Uh, Lord we thank you for his humility but Lord we know also that he was not a perfect man that he was flawed, that he had many times where he struggled, um, even with doubt and fear. And Lord, that helps us and inspires us in our own story. But I pray in these five weeks that we walk together, Lord, that you would increase our faith. Help us take one step this week to be able to say to you, in you, Lord, I put my trust. I'm Hanging out on a limb, Lord, but I'm gonna put my trust in you and my hope is gonna be in you all day long. We just love you and you thank you for your grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you were encouraged by today's talk, check out our Sunnybrook Unscripted Podcast, where we talk real life, answer hard questions, and take a deeper practical look at the topics we talk about on a Sunday morning. For other talks, videos, and live gatherings, rate us and hit subscribe on iTunes and Spotify, download the Sunnybrook Church app, or visit us online at sunnybrookchurch.org. And again, thanks for listening to the Sunnybrook Community Church Podcast.